Oh my, I have not had that before, but I think I need it again. Um, so thank you again for uh, preparing the meal, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the connection dinners. And I know I have. It's been fun having y'all. You know, more of you get here on time when we when we have dinner before. It's all right. Um, <clears throat> so I'm sure we'll take a couple months off, but we'll we'll bring it back again. You know, y'all like it, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll do it. You say, well, <clears throat> why don't we just keep doing it? Because if you keep doing stuff, you guys like me, human beings, we start taking it for granted and we don't appreciate it anymore. And I don't want it to lose its, its uniqueness and all that. So we'll, we'll take a few months off. I imagine you'll still have your appetites a few months from now. Um, but uh, I'm, a, I'm afraid Lydia you're, and, and Kyle, you, you know, you're probably going to get that request again. Uh, when Kyle called me, he said, it's going to be shrimp. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes first class, right? No junk for Jesus there, right? Even though those are the little scavengers at the bottom of the ocean eating who knows what, and then you guys eat it. Um, so I don't know. Uh, don't forget, uh, Pastor Danny mentioned this, but if, since we're online, if you're anywhere in the area this Sunday afternoon from 3 to 5, we're having a youth rally. I don't know if you can, you can either screenshot this and zoom in on it, or if the guys, I don't know how the camera thing works. I could do this to them and really drive them crazy. But, um, so, and, and for us here tonight, I know the teenagers are in the other, in the teen house, but if you have neighbors or uh, Jen and I have invited a couple that we know, teenagers, and they're or their parents and say, hey, bring over here. So if you know anybody, maybe you've got nieces, nephews, those kind of things, invite them to come. Hey, I mean, if they get a chance to win a Nintendo Switch, you know, hey, I know y'all would want that anyway. You said, no, I already got it. I know, I know, I know you do. Uh, so appreciate that. If nothing else, uh, part of our, our broader family, our online family, which is really all around the country, all around the world, we'd ask you folks to pray for us. Right? We'd pray specifically some unsaved kids would come this Sunday and uh, come to know Jesus as their Savior, and that our church would be you know, drawn closer together and the youth department would do youth department things. Um, so it would be wonderful. All right, John chapter 4 in your Bibles tonight, John chapter number 4, as we are continuing in our Life of Messiah. Messiah series, uh, studying the life of Jesus from a Jewish perspective using all four uh, gospel accounts. Again, a shout out to Dr. Frutenbaum and uh, Ariel Ministries, ariel.org, uh, if you would desire some of their information. And we are in paragraph number 36, the second one, part two for me. <laughs> Dr. Frutenbaum does this in like 10 minutes, and I'm on part two, and we're not going to get done tonight, so uh, uh, we'll at least do a part three on this, but uh, particularly John chapter three and John chapter four, which are only recorded in John's gospel, are what I would call the bookends of evangelism. And if you want to know what was Jesus' methods to witnessing, I think John chapter three and John chapter four are the best sources in all of scripture for how, how Jesus witnessed and shared faith in himself. Uh, in John chapter three, we see the bookend of a moral religious man who was gone his way to hell. He was a good guy. He was a moral guy, uh, but he did not have faith. And in John chapter 4, <clears throat> we see the other bookend, which is an immoral, uh, non-Jewish woman. And she also is on her way to hell, and Jesus uh, shares faith with her as well. And I personally believe both of them uh, came to faith in him. And I think there's so much for us to learn. And so in John chapter 4, we've been looking how Jesus and his disciples had left Jerusalem, traveling due north, which took them right through the area of Samaria. And there they are in Samaria, and Jesus is about to have this conversation with the woman at the well. 
and uh, as we saw last week, and if you didn't see last week, now we'll reteach that, but Jesus, uh, we looked last week at a lot of the cultural and racial distinctions between the Samaritans and the Jews, and trust me, they knew the difference, and we found that Jesus in his very first question in John chapter 4 and verse number 7, where Jesus asked the woman, give me to drink, he immediately violates cultural standards. Uh, as we're going to see here in a moment, they were allowed, and both Jew and Samaritan agreed and understood they needed to have business relationships, but neither one wanted to be obligated to the other, so neither side would ever do something for free. And so Jesus asking this woman, give me a, to drink without saying I'm going to pay you or anything, he's just asking her to do something for him freely, violated the, the cultural norms of the day. And you and I know, as we're going to see, the reason J Jesus does this is because he's preparing her that he's going to offer her a much better deal to receive something for free. So you see the free gift idea, which runs all the way through in John 3 and continues in John chapter 4 uh, as Jesus presents the, the gift of eternal life. So with that in mind, we're going to pick things up tonight in verse number 8 of John chapter 4. Verse number 8, the Bible says, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Now, best we can tell, and I would say reading this, and it's just the most simplistic one, is that Jesus sends all of his disciples into town to buy food. Now, here he is in Samaria. Why would he send all of his guys into town to buy food? I know you're thinking, did you ever send a man to the grocery store? You know? Need more than one, that's for sure. Um, but anybody got any idea? Why would, they, why would he send them all away? Yeah, Hunter? Oh, tell them what Jesus is doing wrong? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, they, 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 they did that every now and then, didn't they? I, I know none of us would ever tell God that he, we think he's doing things wrong, now would we? But that's excellent. Anybody else? Why do you think maybe he sent them all in town? I, I, I sit and I think about these things, you know. Yeah, Savannah? All right, I, that's one I put down there. I mean, they're in, they're in kind of dangerous territory, and they were out there in the remote areas, but now they were going into town, and if just a couple of Jewish guys came into town, the potentiality that they were going to get beat up, uh, racial tension is nothing new, uh, and, and maybe they thought, you know, you're going to, into town with 12 guys, you, you know, you're less likely probably to get hassled. Um, that'd be the guess that I think the disciples probably thought. Oh, this makes sense. Because they didn't question him, you know. <laughs> if, it, if, if it wouldn't have made sense, it'd probably be in here. They're going, but Jesus, what are you doing? You can't stay out here. But they said, oh, he's probably thinking we need all 12 of us. Um, anybody else? Yes. All right. Less intimidating to the woman. Um, all right. Anybody else? I, I'm, one of the things that I came with that you're touching on, and you know, we, we all are, is I, I do think maybe that was safety numbers might have been, but... I think maybe the most deepest reason is that Jesus understood the racial prejudice and judgmentalism that was inside probably every single one of his disciples. And if he started trying to witness to this Samaritan woman, they would be filling him in on why this was not right. In other words, when he was going to share the good news of the free gift of the living water, they were going to be detrimental in that happening. And I thought to myself, how often am I helpful or a hindrance? You know, sometimes the worst people in hindering someone receiving Christ is other Christians. 
And I think you'd probably be honest and say, is there a time you've been in a group of Christians, and they might be real Christians, but I would qualify them as uh, carnal Christians? Does that, you know, if, if, if you're sitting there in the location, whether it's in the bar or wherever else, is that the best place to witness? Now, I'm not saying it can't happen there, and I, you've told you the story. I've entered a bar before to, for that purpose. So, But there are locations and places where we know we're not at that location because we think it's the best opportunity to be a witness for Christ. Or have there been times where you're around somebody and you don't want to witness because you know if you start talking about the church, the person who's supposed to be on your side is going to say something really dumb. And let's just not be those. I think that at this point in the life of the disciples, they were still very immature believers. And, and so I think Jesus sent him because he needed his, you know, he needed being there would be more effective with him talking to her one-on-one, which we're going to talk about that in itself here in a moment. So let's go on to verse number nine. Disciples are off, they're, they're in the city to buy food. And verse nine, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is the thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, she's obviously stunned that Jesus has begun this conversation, let alone that he's made a request of her. She's amazed. I imagine not only that he made the request, but Jesus says, give me to drink. And she says, you don't have anything. So we know that Jesus didn't have like a big, you know, like a Yeti mug or nothing. He didn't have that. And so now take this into mind. Basically what he's asking her, not only is he asking her, get me some water and give it to me for free, but he's asking her, I'm going to use your cup. Ooh. You know, I, I'm coming to you live tonight from the deep south. You know, this is a place where there are different drinking fountains. And, you know, and I remember when I went to China, uh, Brother Matt, he's on security tonight. You know, when I, I was talking to some of the Chinese believers there, and they were talking about different ways they witness and stuff and some of the obstacles they'd overcome. And apparently... I, I saw this little set. Now, Bobby and Judy, you probably could tell me all this, but there was this little set with all the different racial diversions within China, Greater China, Mongolia, and all. And they had these little little drawings, basically. You know what I'm talking about? Little no, maybe I'm confused. I saw it, but I, they all knew what they were. Now, I, I'm probably, I don't want to be unkind, you know. But I was, I was like, you you put them in the room. I'm like, I don't know. You look like Chinese. You look like Chinese people to me. But they knew the distinction. And, and there was animus sometimes between the groups. It is a human condition that, in my view, occurred at the fall and in our pride and our arrogance. And Jesus is asking this lady, this Samaritan, not only for, hey, get this, give it to me for free, but I'm going to use your, I'm going to use the cup you're going to provide. And I'm sure she's going, what? You know, that's why her answer in verse 9, how is it that thou... Being a Jew, she knew clearly that he was a Jew, a Jew, and and um, you know she's she, you know almost you can hear the derision, almost mildly offensive, you know why are you asking a drink of me, which am a woman? So there's gender differences of Samaria. There's the racial one again, and then there's these cultural ones. The Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. We don't have. This is not how the relationship is supposed to work. Now, it's interesting. Did you notice that she says that in the end, therefore, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? 
Remember what I taught you last week? Most of the time, does racial uh, judgmentalism run just one way? Notice she doesn't say the Samaritans don't have any dealings with the Jews. No, it's the Jews' fault. Sometimes it's amazing to me how folks that think they're the most pure of, of those issues oftentimes are not. And yet, typically, we see things from, well, we, we see them from our perspective. Her questions totally come from her perspective. And so Jesus goes on um, and in verse number 10, and look at his response to her. He said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I want you to notice, this is where, when you look at John 3 and you look at John 4, there's, there's some things we're going to see, some very commonality in the way that he presents the, the gospel, the, the good news about himself, uh, whether it's a, a, a religious Jew or an immoral Samaritan woman. Remember back in chapter 3, it was about being born again. And Nicodemus was thinking only physical. Now, again, not only physical birth, but if you remember, we studied that about the the rabbinic mindset of what it was to be born again, how you could earn that, a physical thing, a work. And there's a contrast that Jesus, when he goes with Nicodemus, he makes a transition from the physical to the spiritual. And now we see, when it comes to the woman at the well, he uses the exact same technique. Different object, not born again. This time it's about water. And he takes a physical truth about water and he's about to transition or he does transition it to a spiritual thing. Now I thought to myself, maybe we ought to do this approach a little bit more. And I wrote in my notes and I'm just curious tonight, uh, you know, it looks like most of you are still awake. Um, Can you think of a witnessing illustration that we could use this technique in our lives here in our time? Can anybody think of an, of an illustration where you can take something physical, you're in a conversation with somebody you believe to be an unbeliever, they're not a person of faith, and you want to witness to them. How can you take the physical and go to the spiritual? Anybody got it? I, I, I know it's a little harder question than I normally would ask, which Pastor Danny's usually tragic to do, you know. Um, so, no, nobody has any, no, any ideas? Pastor? Okay, Pastor Danny's using agricultural. If you're out in a farming community or something, or even in, even in Home Depot with seeds, and you're talking to somebody about plants, and how the, the, isn't it amazing the way a plant, you, you start, you're there in Home Depot looking at the pretty flowers, and someone that you have no idea who they are, is they're talking about flowers, and you say, you know, isn't it amazing how beautiful they are, and they just sprout up, and you know, it's like, you know, I'm a Christian, and in the Bible, Jesus said, unless the seed dies, you know, and, and then boom, you're into a gospel presentation. Uh, that's excellent illustration, Pastor. Yes, Jerry? Well, I, I, can't, I can't disagree with that. Every time we, it's a public declaration of, of physically, you know, going under the water, picturing you're dying and coming back up and walking a new life. I, I'd see that. Any, anybody else, although you, although you don't have, hopefully there's unbelievers that come but, or talk about it, but any, anybody else? Yeah, Jim. Um, 
Yeah. I, I was, I was going to truthfully be disappointed if you didn't have anything to say, Jim, because <laughs> you are a tremendous soul winner. Um, matter of fact, if I had to say what you do, Jim, who's certainly in the uh, diamond, our diamond club, if you're watching, that's over 50. I'm going to assume you're over 50. Um, but this man uses technology, Instagram, Facebook, evil things and he uses them for good and, and he re relates to where young people are and then transitions and talk, begins talking to them about spiritual things and sees a lot of fruit from that. But he just shamgars it. He meets them right where they are and just begins, because Jim basically said, wherever you're at, look around you and there is something physical that can be used as a, a mediator. Yeah, Jim? Oh, um, Child Evangelism Fellowship? Now, I would say all of us as Christians, if you're a child of God, you have a responsibility to be a witness. There is no exemption clause in the Great Commission. But I will tell you, there are some folks that I believe God does give the gift that are really good soul winners. Uh, um, you know, Andrew, you, you, you are very gifted in that, and uh, others of you in here are. But we all need to be involved, and sometimes I hear Christians and not, you know, say, hey, I don't, know, I don't know how to do it. Well, find something you know about, some hobby you have, I don't, whatever it is, and, and look into it because there'll be a scriptural truth in there somewhere. Jesus took an old well and some water. Yes, Andrew? <laughs> yes, you and your famous million-dollar tracks. I can't read those. I need them in big print. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What, what's worth more than a million dollars? Yeah. I, I think today you could say, Andrew, don't take it to the bank, and everybody who's smart would say agreed. Um, don't take it to the bank. Um, uh, especially if you're in Silicon Valley. Um, don't take it to the bank. Oh, well, don't get me sidetracked. You're going to get me a... But, no, that, that is fantastic. So... I, I was studying this week, though, and I just said, I saw how Jesus th used this pattern of taking something physical and using it to teach something spiritual. And he goes on when he does this in, in verse 10 where he starts. He says, if thou knewest the gift of God, in other words, what I'm offering you, and, and notice, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. I, I, do you think she knew who Jesus was? At this point, we know she didn't. Now, again, I'm going to be a little subjective here, but 
Who do you think, if put yourself in her position, it's noontime, you're there, who might you think Jesus is? If you, pardon me? Uh, just a traveler, just some random traveler, all right? Anybody else? Let me ask you this. If you're there and you're a woman and some Jewish guy violates cultural norms and begins talking to you, what are you thinking? Trouble. <laughs> yeah, you know, come on. You, you know, he's hitting on me. And I, I don't know, but knowing human nature as well as I do, and when we learn more about this woman's background, now maybe because of she was so good at that, she knew that he wasn't. And, you know, obviously you say, well, that's, that's God's, I know, but this is a sinful human he's interacting with who's making all kinds of evaluations about who is this guy. You realize today most people have an opinion about who Jesus is? Yeah, you, know, you talk to people, who's Jesus? Now, unfortunately, there is also a lot of our culture that has no idea who he is. Maybe like her, this Samaritan woman, there's just some traveler guy, just some guy, I don't know who's Jesus, just some guy. Um, but isn't ultimately that question critical? Um, if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, they will tell you they know who Jesus is. But they don't. Um, eternal salvation is found when we recognize who he is and by God's grace he's offering us a gift. That's why Jesus, if you knew the gift of God and he that is is it offering, and ultimately Jesus himself is the gift and the source of the living water, but at this point she still doesn't get it. Now did Nicodemus, in all honesty and fairness, did Nicodemus get it the first time Jesus talked about transitioning from the physical to the spiritual? No. The old cliche, you can lead a horse to water, <laughs> but you can't make it. You know, here Jesus is literally taking this woman here to the living water, and she's not getting it. You know, verse 11 and 12, you know, he says this to her. Look what the woman says, you know, um, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water, that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? She's still stuck on the physical it's easy to be judgmental, this woman, and say, don't you get what he's talking about here? But when you're really thirsty and you're thinking your whole mindset's physical, and when you consider how hard our hearts are and our sin and our blind our eyes are and our unbelief, I mean, she's looking at him and she's going, you know, if you go over to Israel and you go to this well, apparently, I don't know, I think Dr. Frutenbaum said it's like 200 feet down or something before you get water. It's a long way down before you get water in this well. And she's looking at him going, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. You got nothing. And Jacob, our great-grandfather, great, you know, and your patriarch as well, thousands of years earlier, you know, he was able to dig this thing and provided water for everyone, even the cattle. And you're telling me that you can do this, which in effect is saying you're greater than Jacob. You got to be kidding me. You, you don't have the wherewithal to provide. Maybe I put it this way. Can you, can you write and cash the, or cash the check you're writing? 
can you really deliver on this? How, 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 how is that? And I thought to myself, especially those of you who got saved as an adult, those of us who got saved as a kid, I think this is a little easier because we have greater faith and we haven't quite made as many bad decisions. We just haven't had enough time to make enough bad decisions. But if you got saved when you were 30 or 40 or 50 or later, I know some people when I witness to them, they look at me and they, with the, like, you're telling me all these bad things I've done and the people I've hurt and the wrong I've done that God can wash that away. When they really understand what you're telling them the gospel is, many people reject it because they flat out don't believe that God could actually deliver it. Wow. Our hearts can really be hard, and yet at the same time, if you maintain the right attitude like Peter wrote about not forgetting how that our sins have been washed away and remember and be thankful and grateful, man, God, all the things that I did and you forgave them. So in verse 13 and uh, 14, he, Jesus responds to her and says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, Jesus has tried twice to introduce to her the concept physical to spiritual and get her to grab onto the fact there's something more valuable than physical water. And twice she hasn't figured it out. Aren't you so glad that God is gracious. How often do I get very impatient with somebody? Well, I've told them once. They just didn't get it. Now, we understand and, you know, that salvation is of God and sometimes my theological position gets misunderstood. I don't deny and would fully endorse that without God coming to us, none of us would ever get saved in and of ourselves. But I believe that when God the Holy Spirit comes and presents truth to us that he gives us a legitimate choice to decide to receive it or not. And there are times when I witness to somebody and they just don't have a clue. They're just not picking it up. And sometimes, you know, now I'm not saying there's not a time when someone's told you they don't want to go. You know, some Christians, sometimes the best thing you could do is you stop talking and let the Holy Spirit do his thing. But... I am thankful that God in his mercy and his grace continues to pursue, pursue us. And if you have someone in your family that's rejected and whatever, you know, I never underestimate the grace of God. While I would be the first to tell you that never presume on the grace of God, I also would be the one to tell you that God is a God of love and grace. And he just seems that we see here, Jesus didn't say, well, I've told you twice, you're just not getting this, you know, talk to you later. No, he keeps trying to find an avenue to where she's going to get it. And she's very thirsty, obviously. And I think we all have been physically very thirsty, maybe been outside working the sun. And, um, and yet humans are spiritually thirsty too, aren't they? People are looking for something to fill that spot inside of us. Um, and yet, if I were to ask you today, if, if you operate on the premise that most human beings at some point in their life, unless they really become really, really hard, have this spiritual thirst in them, how, do you, how does humanity tend to want to fill a spiritual thirst? 
Anybody? How do you, how do you think that happens? Pardon me? Money. All right. If I have money, it's going to provide some deep satisfaction that will carry me on. Yes. All right. Power, um, emotion. That's good. Anybody else? Relationships. Looking at other people. Drew? I, I didn't catch that one. Okay, they try to find something that dulls it, to, that masks it over, that numbs it. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? Um, I, I find a lot of people seek career advancement, you know, reach some goal, which setting goals is a wonderful thing. But, you know, like I said Sunday, there's nothing worse. And many times it's my era of life where humanity begins to discover this because you've been around long enough, you've worked at your craft, you've mastered your craft, maybe you've elevated to the top of your craft, and if your only goal was to get to the top of the craft and you did it all for that purpose and you get there and you find out it's really quite empty. By the way, I think pastors can be just as guilty of that, where the ministry is the goal instead of Jesus being the goal. Because it doesn't matter whether you're doing what I do or you own your own business or you do whatever it is, the, the principle is the same. And yet at some point, the only solution is, you know, the God-sized hole in your heart, you know, deal. Because um, Jesus makes this seemingly impossible offer. He offers her water that will end her thirst. Now, you and I clearly understand that he meant spiritual thirst and offer of eternal life, and he keeps mentioning everlasting in his statement to her, and um, the spiritual thirst, but she keeps going the other way, and with Jacob, you know, he was a godly man, famous man, but his water wouldn't satisfy, and ultimately, when you consider what she was thinking, she was thinking of taking external water, bringing it inside, and that would satisfy her. But Jesus was teaching the exact opposite, that he needed to implant a water on the inside that would flow to the outside. And people are doing one of the two. Finding things from the outside they think will come in and satisfy them, and it won't work. Until you find a God that can do a heart transplant on the inside and plant a well that comes to the outside. You see, Jesus said it would be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It would flow up and out forever and ever and ever. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, I'm one of these guys I always ask, I, when I'm studying this stuff, I ask myself questions and I'm honest with myself and I'm going, no, wait a minute. If, if you ask me, Pastor, you know, you've been saved since I was age seven, so 51 years about I've been saved. I've known the Lord 51 years. Has there been times where you were very dry spiritually? You ever had problems with doubts? Yeah. Well, how does that square with this here? The reality is, as I contemplated on that in my own life, you can judge yourself, but if you're honest, every Christian here is going to say yes to what I just answered or asked. We go through times where I'm like, I'm thirsty. You know, is this really, am I fully, but when I go back and evaluate it, most of the time, Satan has subtly got me to switch in one or more areas of my life 
to accepting the idea that my satisfaction comes from without to in instead of from within to out. I remember Pastor Shetler many years ago, um, he was the youth pastor when I was in Bible college, but uh, we would have, after every chapel, we'd have what they call preacher boys time, and after chapels, we would go upstairs. It was pretty, it was fun, right? I, I, I liked it. It was required for all Bible majors, but, um, but I remember he said one time, he said, guys, the sheep are not the reward. And for pastors like me who are very relational, I find great, I've enjoyed myself. tonight. if you're watching online, I'm sorry you can't be here in person. It was such a joy to be here tonight. I don't know if you, I hope you all had a good time tonight at the Connection Dinner and other, but um, from the food that was prepared to the spirit that was back there in the fellowship hall to the, you know, I talked to so many tonight, just honestly, you just bless my life. Even my day better, my life better, just spending some time with you tonight. Now, maybe you say, no, it's just you saying that. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe the rest of you don't like each other at all. I don't know. Um, but I had a good time tonight, all right? Count me, count one. Um, but at the end of the day, there's only one relationship that eternally satisfies, just one. And when that is right, as a Christian, when it's flowing out of you, then you can be a resource to others around you. But when you start getting it from the wrong way and start bringing it here, it gets to be a problem. Now, I'm glad that Jesus said that it flows forever. And no matter if you went through a dry time or not as a Christian, which you probably did, the reality is, unless you had some lousy pastor in front of you that taught you bad theology, which is why when I came to the South, I found out other Baptist churches had revival service, and I was here, and I was, we had 40 saved. And I was, I was here, I wasn't here too long until I started going, man, what's going wrong with Open Door? We aren't seeing 40 people saved all the time. What is going on? And then I figured out what it is, is these guys bring in these high-powered evangelists that are really good at, at, in my opinion, emotionally manipulating people, whether they do it genuinely or ingenuinely. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. But all they do is preach a bunch of Christians unsaved and then get them saved again and call it a revival. I don't find anywhere in the Scriptures that I was ever taught to teach believers to doubt. My job is to assure your faith, not create doubt. But at any rate, Jesus said once that water's in there, it flows forever and ever and ever. And I know there's some that even go on and renounce their faith. They were, they were active, and I'm not going to judge. Maybe they weren't really saved. That's possible. They were fake all the time. I don't know. I can't see into that. That's a God and them issue. But what I do know is if they were saved... The water is still there. And one of the arguments I have with a lot of people, my Calvinist friends here, who say you have to persevere unless there's good fruit coming on. You get, if you go into a dry time, how long of a dry time is too long to where I should question whether I'm really saved or not? It's not told in here. Jesus doesn't tell this woman, hey, I'm going to offer you this water, and if you'll drink a gallon of it or 32 ounces, then you're good. But if you drink 31.5, you haven't had quite enough and it isn't going to work. I think it took one sip. Kind of like I thought that, that classic movie, the Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, with seeking on the Holy Grail, you know, which my favorite quote, choose wisely. Um, yet he chose poorly. And the result of choosing poorly is bad. If you know the movie. 
But the guy, when he chose, and, you know, he went for all the glamorous holy cup, you know, and all the jewels and all that, when the one of the Lord was the rough cut, hewn one, but the, the bad guy chose poorly, he didn't have to drink a whole bunch. He just took a little sip, and then he, well, it's, it's pretty bad. You know, he had a bad experience. All you had to do is take one sip. And I know some people say, well, that can't be. You can, choose, you can choose God at one moment at a time, and then no matter what you do from there, well, again, you can choose your choices, but you can't choose your consequences. If you do choose it, yes, you get saved at one moment, but now you're in the family of God, and you're going to deal with your heavenly Father. But you will eternally quench your thirst if you take a drink of the living water. I got a friend of mine, um, this is not an Alabama friend, a friend from when Jen and I lived in other parts of the country, and on his property had a, has a beautiful pond. And I remember one of the first times I met him, I said, man, that's a really, you know, nothing like having basic in your backyard. They had a lot of acreage, uh, um, but they had a pond that was pretty close to the back, in the behind the house, and that was really cool, man. It's some bass in there, catfish in there. It's great. And I said, do you, you know, do you have to add water? Is it a, is it a natural pond? He goes, well, yeah, kind of. He goes, because there's a spring here in our backyard. He took me over to a little spot, and from 20 yards away, you, you wouldn't even see it. You wouldn't start noticing until you started noticing it in the ground, getting a little squishy on you, and there was just this steady, but just a trickle of water that would run, I don't know, 10, 15 yards from a spot in the, in the lawn that they'd mow the grass right over it. You'd just, you know, it's not like there's a, and it would just run down into the pond. He goes, so, you know, so he said that one of the former owners just put a little barricade of land, you know, some earth around there and then basically created a giant hole and the spring did the rest. It just runs and runs and runs and filled up the pond, and then there's an overflow that goes down and goes into a creek then runs off into a bigger creek. You know the story. Um, and I said, man, that's really cool. I said, you've got a spring-fed pond that'll never run out of water. He goes, yeah, pretty cool. And then I said, that is cool. Now, that's a really great illustration here, but it gets even better because I said to him, he said to me, he goes, you know, it's interesting. He said, the original owner told me an interesting story about this, and he goes, he didn't want a pond. I said, he didn't? Why is there one here then? He goes, well, he said, when he first found this spring, when he bought the land, he didn't want all this water. So he paid money and he had people, he brought in different stuff, dirt, stuff. He even tried pouring concrete. He tried everything he could to plug up this spring. But the guy said no matter what he did, month later, six months later, eventually somewhere in the lawn, up came the water. And he finally said, if you can't beat him, join him. And you know, sometimes we as Christians choose bad attitudes, make poor choices, and we throw a lot of stuff on top of the living well. But if you're a child of God, I don't care what you throw on top of it, eventually the water's coming up. Yeah. Amen? living water. Now, we're going to, she's not done arguing with the Lord, so we're going to pick that up next week. Uh, we'll continue the interaction between these two in this wonderful uh, witnessing opportunity. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And thank you for tuning in tonight. For those of you who are watching, I hope it was a blessing to you. Uh, how to quench your thirst uh, found in Christ alone.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word tonight. Thank you for the good time we've had in fellowship here at uh, Open Door tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we go this place, leave this place, we'll be reminded of our responsibility to be a good witness. And, and Lord, just as you did, to find things around us in our life that we can utilize for spiritual purposes. Uh, thank you for the way you've provided for us. Lord, I pray a blessing upon every person that's here, those who are watching online, those who couldn't be here tonight due to illness or other issue. Uh, Lord, help us to love one another and uh, uh, look forward to meeting again, if not here, up there. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, we'll see you all later. I don't think we have anything uh, this weekend. Pastor Danny, he doesn't know. He's been on vacation. Jenny. Has-